Sports Ethos New York Nick Podcast, Andre Galliber. Just banged my phone on a computer in excitement for OG Ananobi's de- debut here against uh, the Timberwolves tonight. No, don't expect everything tonight. I'm not one of those fools. There's going to be a whole lot of people, confirmation bias soldiers, who are waiting for OG to have a poor game so they can you know, make their points. You know, don't Don't fall for that nonsense, please. Don't fall for that nonsense. You know, this is his first game. He's, you know, it's going to, if he's going to, if he has a great game, you should be shocked. You're going to step on a whole new team. I'm assuming he's going to start just because, but you can make an argument that he doesn't start because he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. So there's a, there's a good bet that he doesn't start and Josh Hart starts and OG comes off the bench. You know, that won't last forever, but first game, I can see that being the case. Uh, but with Anthony Edwards and, and a, a win the Knicks really need to have, I can also see Tibbs being like, hey, let's just throw you out there and see what happens. You know, uh, it's uh, very much up in the air. But also, I have to say that listening to some some NBA folks precious Achua is a little bit more of a advantageous uh, or I should say beneficial acquisition for the Knicks than I originally thought cuz I'm looking at his shooting percentages and you know knowing that he's been passed around in from Toronto from uh, Miami to Toronto after having a promising start but you know, listening to Bobby Marks on his his podcast or his quick little snippet that he puts out when trades happen or every now and then, he talked about how Precious played well at the end of the season last year. He's been playing reasonably well for the Raptors this year. And we do know that he's going to play that backup center position. Now, I know he can hit threes. I've seen him do that a million times, but he's not shooting a high percentage. So that's a little disappointing. You know, we can have uh, Hartenstein go out there and miss threes. I am curious if you're going to see Precious out there, though. He's a he's a pretty good offensive rebounder by the numbers. Even even though he is a suitable, uh, historically suitable outside shooter. But he's able to manage shooting and crashing the boards at the same time, which is a nice, delicate balance, and it might be a perfect balance for the Knicks, who kind of depend on those offensive rebounds. But it's like I said before with Mitchell Robinson. You can't you can't look at offensive rebounds in, in, a, in a vacuum. Getting a bunch of offensive rebounds is great. No question. It's great. It's a great benefit to have. But... You can't be the reason why your team is missing more. And that's a little bit of the thing with Mitchell Robinson. He's kind of the reason why they miss shots sometimes because of the lack of spacing at the front of the rim. And I think I ran down the stats with Julius Randle and how much better Julius Randle was at the front of the rim uh, with Mitchell Robinson not on the floor. And that was before these recent losses. And the team hasn't necessarily been playing all that well. You know, numbers are going to change a little bit in a week because it was in a large sample size to begin with. But it was a stark difference. Uh, I hope I went into those numbers on the show. I'll update them and, and uh, go into it if it continues to be a trend. But 
I believe that Randall was shooting something like 72% at the front of the rim with Hartenstein. Much higher, much higher. It was like 15 percentage points higher than when uh, when Mitchell's there. And that's exactly what I talked about. It was exactly what I talked about. He's going to be more effective if there's more spacing at that center position. And you don't have to shoot threes to provide spacing. You just have to be a threat. And Mitchell wasn't. So because because Mitchell wasn't a threat offensively, his man doesn't have to guard him. That means he can pay attention to everyone else a bit more, which makes everyone else a worse player, which means that they're going to miss more shots, which means there are more offensive rebounding opportunities. So if he gets some of them, great. Gives them another chance to score. But a different player might not be the reason why they missed those shots. And I and that puts me right to OG being in the lineup instead of RJ Barrett, who was a negative on the floor all this year. And last year, and remember, we did an entire show talking about how bad R.J. Barrett was last year. Coming from someone who's not an R.J. Barrett hater. I'm not an R.J. Barrett hater. You might think that if you just heard the last couple episodes, but I'm not an R.J. Barrett hater. I don't hate R.J. Barrett. I love R.J. Barrett as a Nick. I've consistently said that he had the makeup to be successful here in New York. But what he's doing here, what he's done is has been too inconsistent. And last year, he was one of the worst players in the league in the minutes that he got. He was one of the worst players in the league. The Knicks were a winning team last year. And he was a negative player. That's hard to do. You were a starter playing 30 minutes. The team is playing to a positive, but you are playing to a negative. That is, that is poor. It is piss poor. And the Knicks had a winning record right now. And, and uh, he's still playing in the negative. And he's playing inefficiently, right? So now you have a player, if you just, again, he hasn't played a game yet here. But if you just look at what he's done, he's going to be a more efficient player out there. So shots that RJ missed or bad shots that he took are not going to be negative plays with OG. They're not. By the numbers, they're going to be positive plays. OG is a plus 900 and change as a Toronto Raptor. Now, you you don't want to compare those numbers directly because they're playing on two different teams. But on his team, in several different situations and roles, because he's played different roles over the course of his career, he has been in a positive regardless of that situation. He's been a more efficient player by the numbers. So that's all we're going by today. So there are plays that OG is going to make that RJ doesn't, and he's going to do it at a positive. And the plays that RJ could make that OG doesn't, it doesn't matter because the net result of RJ's game is a negative. So whatever those plays were, they don't overshadow all of the negative plays. So that's. I mean, to me, there's just no question the Knicks become a better team with OG and an OB replacing RJ Barrett directly. There's just not a there's not a statistical question in those things. So taking it back to Precious a little bit, Precious in his spacing that he offers at the backup center position, 
right? And the same thing with Taj, but Taj, you know, I told you, Taj, I think Taj was going to be a positive if he played 15 minutes a game eventually. But he was out of shape, admittedly, and it was going to take him a while to get acclimated, and he still hasn't been terrible, terrible. But you didn't bring Taj in to be a primary backup two weeks, two weeks after signing him. Now, I can see Taj getting up to speed and and providing you insurance at those positions to a positive effect, but you have not seen that because he's out of shape, in my opinion. And he told you that. He was not coming here to play these minutes right away. He was coming here to be an insurance policy, be a locker room guy, et cetera. But I still, and, and to that point, I still think that he was more a positive than Jericho Sims was and will be. But it's it's moot now. It's moot. Because Precious is going to come in, and even if Precious isn't a great three-point shooter, he's not going to get a zillion shots. He's a threat out there. He's also a threat to attack a closeout. He's also a threat to put the ball on the floor if you're asleep when he gets it and gets to the front of the rim. He has way more offensive uh, potential than Jericho Sims does and provides way more competence as a defender at the center position. I believe in Jericho as a defender as a perim- as a big perimeter defender, I'm a big believer in Jericho Sims on that front, but I do not believe because I've not seen it him being a good defender on on uh, at, from the center position, at least in the coverages that Tibbs runs the drop coverage. He's just not good at it. He doesn't have good instincts, and uh, I don't want to rehash it totally because I do like Jericho Sims, uh, but he's just to me he's just not a center. Not not in and obviously he doesn't have the perimeter game. Listen, let's not beat on Jericho Sims right now. But I, I believe as much as Tibbs has loyalty and loves what Jericho brings, I think Tibbs will settle on Precious right now and be happy with what Precious gives the Knicks. And I think Precious can give the Knicks a lot of competency in that backup center uh, role uh, offensively and defensively. We'll see. But there's no guarantee that Precious wouldn't be traded in another move. You know, he's not signed beyond this season. If there's another move, Precious might move in that that trade too. So whatever it is, they're not married to it. So I think you're going to see it and it might be effective. I think it's going to be more effective than I gave it credit for initially in the trade analysis. But they're not married to him. He's not going to, if it doesn't work out, he's not going to be here forever. So but I think it's good for them right away. I think that makes them better right away. I think OG makes them better right away in what he does and the efficiency that he brings. And some of you are just so married to RJ Barrett and quickly, and I'll get back to quickly in a minute. You know, you guys are just not seeing the forest for the trees. I saw someone make a comment and I think it's important to discuss it, even though it was a stupid comment. Uh, he, <laughs> he said, that some of you were saying the Knicks are going to be the best defensive team in the league now that you have got OG in here. OG is a good defensive player, but he's not going to make the team a better defensive team. The Knicks still are going to be a poor defensive team. He's not going to make that much of a difference, yada, yada, yada. And basically his point was you don't trade R.J. Barrett and quickly to bring in a guy who's not going to make the, the defense better. Well, I'm just going to say this, and I'll preface by throwing a little bit of a bone. Do not expect the team defense to improve vastly because of this move. Don't expect that. Don't expect that this is going to be, if someone is saying they're going to have the best defense in the league, 
no, they're not going to have the best defense in the league. I don't think, I should say. You shouldn't expect it, I should say. That is, that would be a ridiculous expectation. They're not going to be, this doesn't solve all of their defensive problems. Their defensive problems are schematic as much as they are in personnel. It's just that personnel will hide some of the schematic deficiencies in their defense. So OG is going to make plays defensively and have discipline defensively that was not there at that position. He can't he can't necessarily make any other defensive players improve. However, seeing OG be an excellent defensive player might is, is one of those things a rising tide raises all ships might raise everyone else's awareness. Like But let's be clear about something. Every Nick starter is playing to a positive this season. Every last one of them, including Randall. So that means with his deficiencies, he's still playing to a positive on the court. If you're playing to a positive on the court, you will win more games than you lose. Unless it's some numbers anomaly where you're blowing people out by 30 points and then losing by five. (laughs) You know, like unless it's something silly like that, that's why you watch the games. You can pretty, it stands to reason that a player who plays to a positive is literally a positive on the court. That's what that means. Okay. RJ Barrett played at a negative on the court. So whatever Julius doesn't do, and I'll be the first one to tell you there are things he doesn't do. It, at the end of the day, the Knicks still win with that. That's not true for RJ Barrett. So to add a player in his position that plays to that positive, and then some, he's a great steals guy. RJ didn't get a ton of steals. The Knicks don't get a ton of steals. So the Knicks play to that positive with him on the floor. So that means they become a better team automatically by putting him on the floor. Automatically. It's not a debate. It's not a debate. And I said that earlier and repeating myself. So even with Julius Randle's deficiencies, they, they will be better defensively just because he's there. Because the Knicks, like we talked about all the time, running joke in the show, the Knicks offense is scoring a ton of points. It's just not, it, to me, it's just not consistent and it's not good enough, especially when their defense starts to falter. So now their offense is going to get better. It's not going to get worse. It's going to get better. And their defense can't help to get better because this is why the comment was stupid. You can't say that the Knicks have added a better defensive player that's going to play 30 minutes a game and then say they're not going to be better defensively. That is a dumbass thing to say. Now, if you want to say they're not going to be the best defensive team in the league, yes, okay, I agree. If you want to say don't expect a complete and utter difference in their defense, a night and day difference because of the change, okay, I agree. But don't tell me they're not going to be better because that's just dumb. That's, just, that's not how that works. But what they're going to do, and I touched on this earlier, is when the Knicks have these growing pains to start to, to start the um, you know start this new era, this OG era, when they have their growing pains and they give up a bunch of points, you guys are going to run out here and say, "Oh, no, 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 RG Barrett, shut up, man!" It's just it just doesn't make sense to say that they've added one of the best defensive teams players in the league and their defense is not going to get better. That's dumb. But it, it will still need. 
to make changes because schematically the Knicks are the they give up a lot of open shots. <laughs> they just do. And they need to change what they do schematically and they still have they still have an issue at the shooting guard and point guard position defensively where they're too small. So Brunson is not going to guard the initial attack from the point guard because he's not a great defensive player. He's not playing to a minus. All right, but he's not a great defensive player. And then now you have DiVincenzo, who is playing well offensively and, again, playing to a positive, unlike RJ. But he's not a great defensive player, and he doesn't, he doesn't bring a lot of size. He has a lot of defensive hustle and discipline, but he doesn't bring a lot of size. Grimes was the answer. Grimes was the answer last year when they made their rotation change that saved Tibbs' job. It was Grimes was the answer, along with more minutes to quickly and McBride being added to the rotation, which is what they're trying to duplicate right now, which to me might mean you might see Grimes in a starting lineup to try to revisit that. But why would you remove DiVincenzo when he's playing so well in the offensive role? You might just have to live with it in the starting lineup. And maybe, just maybe, you put OG and Anobi in the role that Grimes had, which makes this deal even smarter. So you can hide DiVincenzo the way you tried to hide RJ Barrett, even though DiVincenzo is going to end up on a smaller, uh, being a smaller defender on a bigger player. And that might not work. But you can now put OG on that offense initiating guard who's using all of the screens to get shots for everybody, put OG on that guy. So he takes over the Grimes role and G and DiVincenzo can get hidden, so to speak, the way you would hide RJ. But the difference there is that DiVincenzo is smaller than RJ and just size wise, that might not work, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm pretty sure that's how that's going to go down. Right now, when we talk, so now we talked about the backup center position, and how that will improve. Likely, we talked about how OG in the starting lineup improves the team. Likely, now the backup point guard position. I I think I touched on this last show. I'm not sure, or I tweeted about it. Miles McBride is clearly going to get the backup point guard position. He got the let's get you signed now, just in case you start playing really well. Contract with three year extension, thirty million dollars. It is a declining contract, meaning he's going. It's front loaded. And it gives them flexibility down the line for new moves by not eating up too much of the cap or as much of the cap as it could have. Right. Miles McBride, don't forget, was a game changer when he got inserted into the rotation before the heart trade last year. He was a game changer. All right. His offense is, in, is inconsistent. And when he was inserted into the rotation, he still had quickly to be the primary ball handler. He's He's not been... Excellent at creating shots for other people, even though he's been better at creating alley-oop opportunities for, than the other guards. He's been less shy offensively shooting the ball. Uh, he is a menace defensively, even more so than quickly, even though he doesn't have quickly's defensive versatility because quickly can guard a little bit bigger guys than Miles can because Miles is just a smaller frame. But he's a disruptive defensive player, getting into passing lanes, getting his hands into places that quickly typically doesn't. So his defense is going to be a positive. There was some conversation as to whether or not Flynn would be the backup point guard because he's he brings a lot of offense and, and competence offensively. 
And Miles is still a question mark. But Miles has paid his dues all these years. You guys swearing down Tibbs hates young players. He loves Miles McBride. He's been wanting to play Miles McBride. But I've seen people asking why Miles McBride wasn't playing. That's how I know you you know your opinions don't matter. They have a they had a glut at the guard position. Why would Miles McBride play? How would he play? We're quickly here and everybody here. Well, how would he play? How does that even make sense? Who are you not trying to play? Don't tell me you want somebody who's not in the rotation to play without telling me who you want somebody, who you want to sit. Because then we can have a conversation. Don't tell me that you want somebody to play who's not in the rotation without telling me who you want to sit in the same breath. But now Miles gets his opportunity. I'm excited for him. I think his confidence levels have grown. I've seen a lot from Miles in situations that did not require a lot of confidence, <laughs> like Summer League and G League. Uh, in theory, compared to the NBA, I should say, because these are these are shorter stints and you have to get into your bag a little quicker and you have to be a little bit more sharp in what you do in the NBA, obviously. But confidence was an issue for McBride for a long time, and I think he's got past that. So I'm excited to see him out there. I'm excited to what that means defensively. I don't think the drop-off defensively with quickly not there is going to be near as stark as people think at the point guard position. Is that the is that the shooting guard position, which is the controversy with quickly to begin with, and it's been touched on a million times and how quickly could ability to shoot a guard, but Tibbs thinks he's too small, and sometimes he is too small, in my opinion, but not as small as Tibbs thinks. He did help you a ton when he played when he was on the floor at the guard position. He helped a ton. Now, you're not going to do that with, with Miles, more than likely. You're not going to play Miles with Brunson the way you played quickly with Brunson because you were force-feeding that, obviously. Whether you agree or disagree, it was a force-feed. It was a force-feed to Tibbs because you have other guys to play that position. You have Hart, DiVincenzo, and Grimes to play that position. And they all bring more size except for DiVincenzo, asterisk on DiVincenzo on the size front because I think he's a little bit bigger than quickly, but it's not much. So there are options there, guys who want more minutes in Devo and Grimes, especially, and guys who are going to need those minutes like Hart because he's going to lose minutes as a small forward position because OG is going to play more than RJ played. RJ lost three, four minutes this year compared to last year because of his play and because of Hart. OG is going to get those minutes and more. I see a lot of reporting that the Knicks solved their, their minutes crunch, their, their clog at the guard position. no. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They really didn't. Because they've added someone to the rotation in Miles McBride. They've added someone to the rotation. And that's why when, it, when I first saw the trade and I saw the names being dropped, kind of, you know, leaked out one at a time, I was like, the next thing, get no guard in this situation because, you know, they need a backup point guard now. And then I, okay, so Malachi Flynn is involved. Okay. And then I was like, wait a minute. They're not going to play Malachi Flynn over Deuce McBride. I was slow. But it's unlikely. And I still don't, and clearly it's not the case. He might get a chance. Who knows? But to me, as of today, logically, it's not the case. McBride is a backup point guard, which means that they've added, they've subtracted two players from the rotation. They brought in two players and then added a third. Now you say, oh, they play different positions, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. <laughs> but but <laughs> these players, they play, their, their positions are interchangeable in certain respects. Hart was getting his minutes at backup four. 
So that means or getting some of his minutes at back and forth, not all of them, obviously. That's not going to be the case probably anymore because OG can. It, all right, so let's let's hash this out. Hart is probably not going to be the backup four. The backup four is likely to be OG. Okay, I don't know how these minutes are going to work out. I'm real curious to see once they get settled. Right, I don't think they play Precious at backup four. I think that Precious is just going to be backup five. And then you're going to see Harden OG just the way you saw RJ and OG at you know play the three four at the same time. It's going to be OG OG is going to play whoever he needs to play. Hart's going to play whoever he needs to play. They're going to be the three fours, right? They're going to be the wings. All right, OG and Hart. But Hart was taking RJ. He was taking about four or five RJ minutes because RJ was inconsistent and in playing to a negative. I'm gonna keep saying it. Okay. He's not taking those minutes anymore. He's not taking those minutes anymore. Because OG is getting those minutes. OG is going to be right there with Brunson and Hart in minutes. So Hart is losing minutes to OG because OG is the replacement for RJ and Hart was taking RJ minutes and he's not getting those minutes anymore. All right. Now. Let's move to the shooting guard position. You no longer have quickly playing point guard and shooting guard. McBride is not going to play point guard and shooting guard. He's just going to play point guard. So you're going to get McBride at 15, 20 minutes a game, right? And now you have Grimes, DiVincenzo, and Hart to play the shooting guard position. So let's say I think Brunson, I'm not going to look it up. I think he's at like 33, 33 minutes a game, right? So 15 of IQ's 23 minutes a game or whatever he was getting came at backup point guard. That's going to McBride in theory, right? So let's just make it let's just make it 8 minutes. That's 8 minutes at the shooting guard position that McBride's not going to get the IQ had. All right, on average. Those minutes are now going to be divided divvied up between three guys. Hart, Devo, and Grimes. Hart is losing five minutes, let's make it four minutes, to OG, who's going to suck up RJ's minutes. I'm just going to pause that. And he's losing that, and he's going to get those back because Hart is important, and Tibbs loves him, or whatever. He's going to get those back. So we're going to give half of IQ's minutes to Hart at shooting guard. So that only leaves four minutes for Devo and Grimes, four more minutes for them to get. And whoever's playing well, that's the person who's going to play. Maybe Hart doesn't need to play as many minutes because of OG. Maybe Hart played more minutes because RJ was so bad. So maybe he doesn't get those four minutes. Maybe those minutes go back to DiVincenzo and Grimes because... Because... OG is it, Hart is is not needed as much, and the Knicks shooting at the shooting, shooting guard position between Devo and Grimes it will be valued more. Maybe I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm really excited to see how. It, I mean, you're not going to see it tonight. You're not going to have all these problems solved tonight. But I'm excited to see how that how that goes. You saw Divincenzo against the Pacers. I just I just missed the Pacer game. By the way, I'm just going to say one thing. I'm going to say two things in the Pacer game. You because you saw Toronto lost to Detroit. You can't take a gut punch right before a game and then expect the Knicks to win it. That's 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 a gut punch. What happened? 
That's why I was so curious about the timing of that trade. A lot of people are curious about these trades. Bobby Mark said trades like this don't happen in December. Why did this trade happen? I saw people say, well, they could have gotten a better deal if they waited. That Based on what? There are other teams that wanted this player. Based on what? That you, you have nothing to base that on. Maybe, maybe not. I've seen people say, well, they gave up too much because they could have used quickly in a different deal. If they could have used quickly in a different deal, I think they would have. There was some urgency in this deal. However, that to me is obvious. Now that urgency could be that the, the wheels were falling off for the Knicks. And a lot of people are blaming the Knicks defense on Mitch not being here. I just want to remind everyone that the defense went south before Mitch got hurt. Just want to remind everyone of that. I think, I think quietly, and I might explore this on a future show, I think quietly is more to do with Grimes not being in the starting lineup anymore than anything else. But I need to go look at those numbers. I need to go look at those game, the game logs. So I'm, I'm going to look into that. I think that's an underrated. Grimes was a game-changing defender for last year, literally. And he gets removed from the starting lineup and the defense falls apart. He was a point of attack of a defender. He guarded the best players. He, he made things difficult for them. Imagine a lot. Imagine a defensive line, lineup that had Grimes and OG on the floor. Imagine that. That's a tough lineup. Imagine, imagine OG, Hart, Grimes, and McBride on the floor at the same time. That's better than any second unit the Knicks have, have had in this Tibbs era. That's a functional offensive team. Hart can take the ball handling responsibilities. That team's going to push the pace and not going to be as good shooting the ball with McBride versus quickly. That's why the quickly part of this trade does hurt a little bit. But imagine, that's why I know that if, if they could have made this trade without quickly, it would have. I, I think there was an urgency in moving quickly here. I think quickly's camp asked for a trade. I think that game in Orlando, I think there was an incident after that game where quickly was pulled late and shouldn't have been uh, for RJ. I think there was an incident and that was it. It had to pull the trigger. This deal was probably sitting on the table and we'll revisit it later on. Something like that. There was uh, Ian Begley reported that this deal was discussed at the G League showcase. This deal was sitting around. The framework was was working, and there was a blow up after that Orlando game, and that was it. The trigger was pulled. That's what I believe. Sure, it could have just been, hey, we want to beat the competition. The season might be in peril. Let's get ahead of this. But that's what I believe. And I keep telling you, R.J. Barrett wasn't getting this deal done unless the Knicks had to give him. Knicks would have had to give three first-round draft picks and R.J. Barrett. And I don't think the Knicks make this deal if they thought it would preclude them from making the next deal. But whatever. I'm not going to revisit that right out of time here. But reeling from some losses and then facing the Pacers on the road, you would think that you would wait a day. <laughs> could, could you wait the New Year's to make this, this trade? Can you, go into the, can you go into Indiana with a full squad? Make the trade after the game. Why would you make that trade in between a back to back? That doesn't it doesn't even make sense. You you almost put that you almost guaranteed that loss. You almost guaranteed it. So I, I believe something happened. But on and the second thing on that Pacer game, you know what? That Wally Zerbi Zerbiak stupid comment he made last year, right? Halliburton had every opportunity to shut Wally up last year and beat the Knicks and play a great, great game, and Brunson ate him up every single time. I just want to say that. You don't get to come back a whole nother year and and circle the block when you finally beat the Knicks and have a good game 
You don't get to do that. That is so lame, and y'all are so lame for making that such a big deal. You don't get how many times you gotta play the Knicks and not play well before before it's too old. It's just old now. Like you you looking for you looking look Halliburton over here looking for the attention and y'all looking for the clicks. Brunson ate him up last year. He ate him up. If you wanted to shut him up, you had the opportunity last year. You missed it. And here y'all are just like being suckers. Oh, look, he looked at Wally. He looked at Wally. Wally didn't apologize 30,000 times. Apologize to his father before the game. He's never going to live it down because y'all won't let him. That's fine. I'm not going to be protective of him. It was a stupid comment. But y'all going to give Halliburton, y'all going to give Halliburton shine after a year? It took him a year to get the Knicks back? Stop. Stop. Anyway, they placed, they're facing the Timberwolves tonight. Understand, Timberwolves are one of the best teams in the league. And just like OKC, and this is why some of you fans drive me crazy. And I talked about it last show. I'm not going to revisit it. But they OKC is a good team. They're a good team. Timberwolves are a good team. And the Knicks are going to be a little disjointed in theory tonight, even though I have a, an idea that OG is going to walk in and play seamlessly. Uh, I have that idea, and I think McBride is too. You know, so excited to see, excited to see it tonight. Excited to see what the rotation looks like. DiVincenzo went in the Pacers and he made a statement. A friend of mine said something that I didn't even think of. You know, DiVincenzo came out and said, you know, y'all worried about losing IQ, but I got you. Y'all don't know what you got in me. And a lot of people said DiVincenzo was a signing for IQ insurance. And a lot of people said that signing DiVincenzo meant that IQ wasn't going to come back, but they offered IQ $20 million. So it might have been insurance, but they offered him $20 million. Uh, anytime I see some idea the Knicks weren't trying to bring him back, and I know they offered him $20 million, I mean, you got to put two and two together. Those things don't make sense. They couldn't afford to offer him $20 million. He was a backup point guard that they weren't confident could play shooting guard, and they were still paying him $20 million. Don't think for one solitary second that they didn't love Emmanuel quickly. This was a reluctant decision. They made it. And you know what? They're better today than they were yesterday. And I can't wait to see it. I think quickly does hurt. We talked about it at nauseum, but I think they replaced quickly with the other guards. And we were talking about how there's still a minute glut here, and there is. And the person who's going to suffer is is probably not going to be hard. It's going to be Grimes because Grimes doesn't have the the gumption to play well and and step forward and step up the way DiVincenzo. But not having his defense hurts. It hurts. I think if you can get a more functional Grimes, I think this team is a noisemaker. As is. And people people are saying, I see people saying you got to judge this deal on future deals. No, you don't. This deal is perfectly fine on its own. Stop thinking RJ Barry is better than he is. The only people who think that. Only people who think that say stuff like that. People who think RJ Barry is better than, than he is. Now, RJ Barrett might go to the next team and play and play outstandingly, but they're not going to win. They're not going to win. If he's your your second option, you're not going to win, but he's going to play well. If he's your third option, you're not going to win, but he's going to play. He might, he might play just like he played for the Knicks. He might play a little bit better. If he's your fourth option, you have a chance. And is he not going to be the third option on his Toronto team? At what option do you think he's going to be as long as Siakam is there? You think quickly? You think quickly is going to go in there and take over the, the starting point guard position, and then not be the third option, and not be at least the third option on the team? RJ is going to a similar situation, and people think because he might play starting shooting guard, is going to change anything? Is going to change something? He's definitely playing shooting guard for them now with Siakam there. 
What is that going to change? Why do you think that's going to change? And then you saw Scott Perry say the same thing. Why do you think that's going to change, Scott Perry? You saw Scott Perry talk about this trade. He analyzed the whole trade and talked about R.J. Barrett the whole time and barely talked about quickly. That's how you know he got his head too far up his butt. That was one of his draft picks. Why would you talk about R.J. Barrett like that? <laughs> and not quickly and barely mention quickly. He's a good backup guard. What are you talking about? Even Bobby Marks knows that quickly was the real target in this deal. RJ Barrett is like, hey, maybe we can get something out of him. You're paying for it though. The show is five minutes too long. Let me end it real quick on one one last thing. Jonathan Macri taking a lot of heat because of some comments he made about RJ Barrett not affecting winning the entire time here. It was the vitriol in which he said it that you know, even I can kind of take issue with the vitriol and, and how he spoke about it. And he mentioned Obama being a good uh, speaker and, and have great media training and basically making a comparison that it makes you overlook the negatives of, uh, of what they brought to the table. So he's he was kind of bugging. You can see how angry he was. But I think there's a frustration that a lot of Nick fans and observers have when it comes to R.J. Barrett having to fight so many Nick fans on what is factually the case and rj's played to a negative way too much here what he said about rj playing to a negative and not affecting winning pretty much the entire time he was here outside of his second season where he where he, where he when he was pretty good and people say well he played shooting guard that season okay did he because he was playing with reggie bullock nobody was putting defenders on reggie bullock he was a catch and shoot guy so he was playing against the same defenders you weren't playing against a shooting guard if they thought there was a size advantage. They're going to put the small forward on you because nobody has to put any, any size on Reggie Bullock. You guys make up any, anything. But anyway, anyway, Jonathan Macri, great Nick podcast and observer. He watches this game very closely. I don't agree with everything he says because who, who would? But he knows what he's talking about. And he didn't speak from opinion when he said he didn't affect winning. He spoke from fact. He spoke from fact. R.J. Barrett was one of the worst starters in the league last year by a large margin when it came to efficiency across the board. In terms of every category, every analytic category, he was so bad. I might dig those numbers up. He was so terribly bad in the regular season that it was a miracle the Knicks were able to win with him as a starter. And he's in a negative right now. I love R.J. Barrett. I wish him the best. He was a good kid. He was a great Nick. But Jonathan Mackey didn't lie to you. R.J. Barrett has not been good here. And the Knicks have a chance to actually be good with a player who's not dragging them down. And, John, and, and Julius Randle is the other guy who drags them down somewhat, but not as far as R.J. Barrett. And you need to know that and recognize that as much as you love him. At Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Ethos Knicks. Until next time.